Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kamalorkas. Today we're bringing you the latest exclusive interview in our Thinking Forward series. Following Monday's discussion with McLaren boss Zach Brown, Motorsport Network president James Allen and Jess McFadden have spoken to DS to Cheetah Formula E driver Jean-Eric Verne. As well as discussing when he thinks Formula E will go racing again, they also hear what he thinks about the increase of interest in esports with real-world competition currently suspended and how the two endeavours can complement drivers. We hope you enjoy the interview. So, Jean-Eric, thank you so much for making the time um, to join us on this hashtag Thinking Forward series. Um, first of all, where are you based during this period of lockdown and, and how are you dealing with the, the challenges of, of working remotely? Uh, well, working remotely for a driver is <coughs> a little bit complicated. Uh, I'm in a very nice house, um, south of Paris. A friend of mine uh, lent me the house. He's stuck in another country, so the house was going to be empty, so I didn't want to be in an apartment. Um, so yeah, that, that's where I am. And uh, how do I deal with it? Um, I'm driving my DS car in the, in, <laughs> around. No, but more seriously, we just received um, simulators from Formula E. So I've been spending quite a lot of time on the, on the simulator trying to, uh, to reach the level of the gamers. I'm, I'm quite not there yet, but uh, it's getting there. So at least I got to do something I know, uh, which is driving. Okay, it's not the same as real life, but uh, it's better than nothing. And happy birthday for the 25th of April. 30 years old. The last 10 have certainly been quite a journey. Tell us more about that. Uh, yeah, it's been a, a journey. It seems longer than 10 years. Um, it, it's been a, a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, I joined, uh, I think I won British Formula 3 when I was 20. Um, then I joined Formula One the year later. Um, 
and then I left Formula One and then I came back kind of, uh, you know, one foot in Formula One with being reserve driver for, for Ferrari. Then I went to Formula E and, and then I had um, two complicated seasons in Formula E and then things started to get back uh, uh, good again and I finished my, uh, you know, the, 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 the 20s on a high with winning two, two championships. So yeah, it's been um, a difficult uh, road, definitely, with uh, a lot of bumps, but uh, there is no such thing as, as a perfect way, you know, perfect road. We all have our downs, we all have our moment of doubt, of moment of not being good, uh, of um, trying to reflect and, and just trying to self, self-criticize um, just in order to get better and to improve. One of the things that's very noticeable with you, obviously, after the, the roller coaster that you had, particularly with, with Formula One, is you just clearly decided you want to be in charge of your own destiny. And you obviously think a lot about things, you, you know, you run businesses, you're a very forward thinking driver. And we'll, we'll come on to talk about that in a minute. But I just wonder, what do you know now that you didn't know that really is important uh, a month ago with respect to how we come out of, of this crisis and what it's going to mean for us all in life and in, and in our sport? Um, I think it's important to use this time to reflect on you know, things that you've done and things that uh, you consider as uh, given, what actually is not given. Simple things of life, you know, like I miss so much uh, going out for a drink uh, in the afternoon, going on a, you know, sit on the terrace and have a coffee with some friends and um, taking the tube in London, going from one place to another place, uh, going to the airport. I used to hate to go to the airports and take the plane. It was a nightmare for me. And now I can't wait to, to go back to an airport and jump on the plane and go in a, in a different country. So there are things like this that are given that you don't realize anymore. Um, and how important it is for, for, for yourself. So um, what is going to change in our sport? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. We don't even know when we're going to come out of this confinement. In France, it's supposed to be the 11th of May. But we never know. Maybe it's going to be postponed. Or it's going to be the deconfinement. We are not sure yet how it's going to be. Uh, for the sport itself, how are we going to start racing again? I don't know, maybe some people that would be in some countries will be on lockdown still. Uh, maybe it's going to be uh, very difficult for them to travel. Are we going to have spectators? We don't know. I don't think we're going to have uh, spectators. I think uh, as long as we, as we can resume racing in, in the best possible way, I, I think uh, whatever solution uh, would be found by the organizer, um, it would be good. It would be good for everybody you know, staying home, being able to watch something, being able to watch some sports, some competition. I think people miss that as well. We mentioned earlier on, obviously, you've, you've had a, a lot of ups and downs, and, and with that has come a lot of anxiety, no doubt. I mean, the, the racing driver's life does carry quite a bit of anxiety generally. And I think it would be, it's, it's interesting maybe to reflect a little bit on what advice you give to people, because finding themselves in this situation now of four, five, six weeks of lockdown, there's an increasing amount of anxiety. What, what advice do you have for people on how to deal with that? Uh... I think we have to always set ourselves some targets in life, some goals, where you want to where you want to go. I mean, there is, if you take a car, you know, in general, where you go. And I think it's the same thing in life. What, what do you want to be in six months' time, in one year, in three years? And um, how, do you, how are you going to achieve that? And do you want to be more successful in finance? Is there anything you can learn to improve that? Uh, do you want to be more successful as an athlete? There are a lot of things that you can do. You can do sport from home. Uh, do you want to learn more things about life? Uh, take books, read. Um, I mean, you know, I, I think it's, it's important to learn new things during this period of confinement. 
to realize, first of all, that we are not the only one in this situation. There are many other people that are probably in worse situation. Uh, there are no families uh, that lost some people that cannot even go to the funerals. Uh, they are, every time we think we're in a difficult situation, try and you know, think more globally of uh, the, the crisis and uh, what some people are really suffering. And in general, when you come to some points, you, you come to a realization that you may not be actually in such a bad place. You know? And I guess focusing on the positives that have come out of a crisis, one thing that's really had its chance to shine is the entertainment and accessibility of esports and how that is bringing a lot of people together and providing a lot of value to racing fans that are missing their live racing. Um, what's been your view of how racing esports has risen to the opportunity? Well, actually, it was um, in all crises you have opportunities, right? Um, in this one, we saw an opportunity. So three years ago, I invested, I, I became partner in a, in a company called Veloce Esports, uh, which were the, the top uh, gaming company, uh, esport company in, uh, in the UK. And uh, we were the first one to create uh, you know, the non-Australian Grand Prix, then the non-Bahrain Grand Prix, and then we created more competition. And we got a fantastic grid with many Formula One drivers, the top gamers as well being involved. And uh, across all platforms, we had millions of, uh, of euros during this time. Um, so I think the, it's a good opportunity for eSport to shine at that moment. I've been working a lot uh, with my team, also with Motorsport Game. We did a, a competition together in association, and uh, it's been working uh, very, very well. You actually finished third in the Formula E race from home test event last weekend. How did you find competing rather than being the business brain, as you said, behind Veloce? Well, in this period of confinement, Jens is laughing a little bit because uh, we, we, we had a lot of talk together about how to do things and what can we do to make it better. And I was like really, as you said, on the business side of things and I really didn't see myself uh, behind a, uh, a steering wheel and uh, a simulator. But I guess when Formula E sent the simulator, I received it. I was like a kid and uh, ever since and I didn't leave my, uh, my seat and I tried to compete to try and get myself better. And uh, in the end, you know, I'm a racing driver, so I'm always going to put racing first. Uh, my career is over, that's, that's for sure. Um, and then the race uh, from home challenge, the Formula E one, was quite complicated. I finished third in qualifying, finished sixth in the race, but I definitely don't have the level of, uh, of the top drivers that are winning this kind of competition. I think Stoffel, uh, Vendon was really quick, uh, Maximilian Günther was really quick, so I have uh, some work to do, some improvement. You mentioned um, investing in, in the Veloce and getting involved in the esports business. And, and you were one of the first, if not the first, uh, top line international racing driver to, to see that opportunity and to, and to commit. What, what was it that you saw initially? And has, has the journey since then sort of been the way you thought it would? I always believed, and that was from a long time ago, that television rights in sports is what brings the most money. But I, I strongly believe that television rights one day will. I mean, they're already starting to decrease. And the data right is what really matters today. And with data, you can do amazing things. You can recreate the exact same car on the computer game. And I always believed that already 10 years ago that uh, in Formula One, there were not going to be 20 cars, but there were going to be 21 cars. And one car was going to be driven by millions of gamers around the world. Because today, you have the track that is scanned. You've got... I don't know how many thousand or hundreds of sensors on the Formula One car. You get absolutely all the, the technology necessary today to be able to replicate that in the video game. And I think where the big money is, is where you have the audience. 
and the audience of gamers esports is huge. When you see at Twitch, uh, the value of Twitch because of all the gamers, uh, you know, playing and watching uh, each other playing and uh, uh, giving some tutorials. Uh, it's it's an industry that is absolutely booming. So I thought that esports, but not only racing esports, uh, was uh, um, something very important that was not exploited uh, very well at the moment because people don't really understand what the value is. And I think with Veloce, we understand what the value is and we're pursuing this, uh, this course. And uh, so far, it's been uh, working uh, really nicely. You mentioned before, actually, that um, Veloce Esports and the Not the Grand Prix series, they were the one of the first outfits to really spring into action as soon as the Australian Grand Prix was cancelled. How critical was it for Veloce to be first to market with a replacement for real racing? And how difficult was that to set up? Because you basically did it with zero time at all. Um, and what, was, what ended up was actually quite an entertaining piece of uh, content. Well, on this one, I, I cannot take the credit. I think my team at Veloce uh, thought about it at uh, the, the same time. Um, um, my associate Jack and, and Rupert Zwenzenkuk that I was teammate with in British Formula 3, we all, we all thought of that. And where we were lucky is that when the confinement came in England, we had uh, people working in the office, which is also a house, and they were sleeping in the house, which is the office. So it was really practical for them to go to work. You know, they just have to go downstairs and, uh, and start streaming and, uh, and walking and organizing all of this. But yeah, we organized this race in 48 hours, uh, less than 48 hours. We were able to, um, to, to, to bring a lot of drivers together, gamers, uh, Londonoris. Uh, then we were able to get more drivers, uh, uh, the races, the, the weekends following this one. Um, and um, the result we achieved in, in such a small period of time really shows the strength of Veloce and and what we're capable of. One of the main criticisms of the F1 Esports Virtual Grand Prix is the lack of real driver involvement. But as we've seen with the Formula E series and a lot of the other racing series, esports, getting drivers involved is possible. Do you think that the Virtual Grand Prix is lacking in that regard? Or is it equally as important to have non-motorsport personalities involved? Well, I think, and this is where we saw an opportunity to Veloce, is, okay, the fans of Formula One, they want to see Formula One drivers, because you know they are supporting Lewis Hamilton, Charles Leclerc, London Norris, etc., etc. So they want to see their stars racing, competing in esports. But what we saw as an opportunity was to bring stars from a different world, so from football, from golf, uh, from tennis, uh, to be able to bring them into something that they will never have the chance to do in their life. I mean, come on, you're competing against Charles Leclerc or London Norris on the Formula One game. Things will never happen in the real life. So what happens is that all the, 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 the football uh, fans of, for example, Thibaut Courtois, the goalkeeper of Real Madrid, what have they been watching during his, his race? They've been watching Formula One. And that brings a new audience to a motorsport audience existing. And um, I think it's important for motorsport to show that, yeah, it's, it's a very complicated sport. I mean, we don't, it's, it's not like you buy a ball, a pair of shoes, and you go uh, shooting the, the ball. Uh, it requires a lot of effort, uh, a lot of finance, and it's not given for anyone, uh, I mean, for many people. So eSports is a chance so that anybody that has a computer can race together with top, level, uh, with top Formula 1 drivers. And I think that's uh, the beauty of eSports. It really has been uh, the moment for, for racing eSports to shine, and yourselves and, and others have certainly grabbed that opportunity. I wonder, do you think that uh, these series will, will continue to get the attention? Will, will, is the momentum there now for when the real racing 
starts up again, that this, this now has this complementary parallel existence? Well, it's always going to have this complementary and parallel existence. You're always going to have real Formula One drivers that on the weekend of they would want to compete on eSports because they are young, that's their generation, and they love it. Uh, but you're never going to oblige Lewis Hamilton that probably doesn't like gaming to, to, to be racing. So we're never going to see him. Or some of the drivers like Sebastian Vettel, for example, I don't expect him to, to be racing in an eSports competition. But that, that's why it's important to not only focus uh, today on the Formula One fan base, because once Formula One resumes, for sure they're going to stop watching eSports. They're going to watch the real thing because that's what everybody wants to see. So it is important today to grow the eSports community, the gamers, and not trying to, to bring a Formula One audience into watching something that they're not going to watch in the future. Because this is not the, the, the sponsorship that is in eSports. They're interested in uh, people that are staying that into a business that, is, uh, that, that will keep on working and, and being successful in the future, regardless of the sport happening or not, the real sport. I mean. Yeah, and we had a question in on Instagram from at the Luca format who asked, uh, do you see eSports revolutionizing the grassroots to motorsports model? Do you think it can have that level of impact? No. No, it won't have this level of impact. Um, I think it's, it's um, the problem of people is that they're always trying to copy past the real world into eSports. And this is not something that I believe works. Some of the people might uh, believe uh, otherwise. Uh, but us at Veloce, we strongly disagree with this. We believe that eSports gaming is one entity on its own. And then the real world, the, the, the real world will never really be together and uh, when you look at the, the the games that are you know working the best like for example fortnite uh, fortnite has a valuation that is absolutely mental and the amount of gamers that are playing this is is crazy they're not going to the war those people you know they're not they're not it doesn't exist in the real life so the beauty of response is that you can create something that does not exist in the real life Coming back to the real racing, um, as you say, first and foremost, that's where your where your heart lies. And um, you were what five rounds, I think, into the Formula E season when it uh, when it got curtailed. Two time defending champion, of course, and currently what lying eighth in the standings after your podium in Marrakesh. Do you see the season restarting? I know there's a lot of effort going in to try and get a few more races in before your break, before I guess the next season starts around just before Christmas, and, and, and mentally stopping a season like this and then getting going again. It, no, I guess you've never done anything like that before, but I mean, what, how is the reset you have to do for that? Well, I think you have to take your racing brain, put it out, put it in a safe, and when everything resumes, take this brain and put it back in it, because otherwise you become crazy. So I think today I'm, I'm very relaxed about the situation, about my position in the championship, um, I strongly believe that there are bigger, bigger things than you know, our problems in, in, in the world right now. Um, and whenever race, ra racing resumes, yeah, I'm going to you know, take it back and, and put back the, the racing and methane and, uh, and be the fighter that, uh, that, that I am. Um, I think it's important for Formula E not to jeopardize season seven. So therefore, there is a time limit where we cannot race anymore. So depending on when the deconfinement happens, depending on the countries where we're going to be able to race, of the teams, the attendance of the teams, uh, the, the, the key people in the team on, on the drivers, 
then I think we're going to have a clear answer on where and when we're going to be able to race again. And when we're going to be able to race again, I strongly believe that my position in the standing is, is not where I'm going to end up at, at the end of the year. Um, I think in every season you have always up and downs. Um, you have period of luck, period of bad luck. You need to accept it, you know, bite it, and, uh, and better days comes. And that's exactly what I've seen last year. I had a, a very bad middle of the season. And towards the, the, the end, I think things started to, to get back to uh, normal. The, planet, the planets got aligned for me again. And, uh, and then we were able to win uh, races, uh, do podiums, and, and win the championship. And uh, um, If we are doing a good job with the team, if we're able to improve the car, uh, if we don't make any mistake until the end, um, I see no reason why I, I could not be uh, in the fight uh, for the for the title. Absolutely, James spoke to uh, Alejandro Agag for this Thinking Forward series a couple of episodes ago, and one of the main takeaways that he gave was the need or potential need for more racing series to merge um, and consolidate their efforts. And obviously we're seeing F1 massively under pressure to meet sustainability guidelines. So my question to you is, do you think it's inevitable that F1 will ultimately go electric? And if so, would that potentially force a merger between Formula One and Formula E in future? Well, I don't know. Um, first of all, I don't have a, a crystal ball. Then uh, there are opinions that I like to hear from myself because I'm, I'm just a racing driver for the moment. Once my career is over and that I want to do politics, I will start uh, you know, giving my thoughts about uh, any given situations. As a driver, what I can tell you, what I would love to see in the, in the near future is um, not Formula E replacing Formula One or... Um, but it would be, since we have so many manufacturers in Formula E and there are also important manufacturers in Formula 1, would be that one day those two championships merge. And that you do half a season in Formula E, so electric Formula 1, whatever you want to call it, on the streets that we know, on the circuits that we know, maybe a little bit bigger. Uh, and then the other half of the season in, in Formula 1, on tracks like Brazil, Abu Dhabi, and Singapore, and do 10 races, 10 races. And the same driver, both in Formula E and in Formula One. And that would be amazing. This is something I would love to see. That's a really interesting take. It's not one I've actually heard before. So thanks so much for that. That's really interesting. Gives a lot of us the first to think about. I don't know if that ever going to happen, but that's my dream as a driver. <laughs> linking, linking into dreams, I guess, is as someone who's raced and been involved in multiple racing categories, what would you like to see motorsport do in general to come out stronger from this crisis situation like what are your hopes for the for the future of motorsport uh, well i think we as motorsport needs to always apply with the rule of the government wherever we, we are racing and to not try and be smarter than uh, than uh, than the governments um it's important to start resume uh, to, to to resume racing as soon as possible um, and uh, I think it would be great that motorsport is the first sport to start again. I think uh, it's a possibility, and um, I think we could be proud as all motorsport fans, drivers, team members, journalists, to be able to resume, resume, uh, to to resume racing before football or tennis or any other sports. Beside that, I think... Um, yeah, it's difficult to say how motorsport should react to, to this kind of situation, but so far I can speak only for my championship, the one I'm involved. I think Formula E has reacted very well uh, to this coronavirus. 
uh, and all the decisions they took uh, were the right ones. We've also seen various elements of the sport applying what's best of the sort of innovation and the technology that we have into things that have actually helped, uh, you know, medically with ventilators and the CPAP machine, for example, that Mercedes have developed, that, those kind of things. So it's been great to see that type of, uh, that fast response mentality. But what that plays into, of course, is something that you and I have talked about before, which is how in a way, motor racing can't just be an entertainment anymore. We already were feeling a pattern where there was society was wanting motorsport to have a greater sense of purpose, part of which came from, from technology. And also, particularly in your area, like around sustainability and, and electric mobility, do you think it's inevitable now that after this crisis, those, those demands will, will be accelerated and motorsport will be under pressure to, to become more sustainable and have a greater sense of purpose pretty much straight away? You know, I believe that there are some people that are born on the good star, if you know what I mean. And I'm talking, of course, about Alejandro Agag. Um, he created Formula E, I think, in, in the perfect timing. It would have been two, three years earlier, it would not have worked. Um, Formula E, you know, there are all these things, the diesel gate that happened in the same time, and all the, the, the manufacturer were under huge pressure to start creating electric vehicles. There is only one electric championship, so all the manufacturers come to Formula E, the championship explodes, and it is today to, I mean, uh, the, the championship is, uh, I never thought the championship would be in, in, where it is today, if you can put it that way. Now, Leandro is onto something new, Xtreme, which has a deeper sense of purpose than, than even Formula E. By going to race in extreme uh, places of the planet that have been touched by the global warming, by human, um, and, and to raise awareness uh, for for what we're doing, and um, I think this is uh, this is amazing, and this is where the sport, motorsport, is going towards. Uh, this is what works. This is uh, and this is important. We we are we are now doing more than just racing. We we have a, a bigger purpose. Well, Jeff, it's been great. Thank you so much for, for finding the time to speak to Jess and I today for this uh, hashtag thinking forward. I can't let you go, though, without asking you about those two helmets behind you, because uh, obviously I covered the careers of both Senna and Jean Lacy. I've seen Jean throw many of those helmets into the crowd, and the team managers used to go crazy because it always had the radio still attached to it, so thousands of pounds worth of equipment being thrown into the grandstand. But um, tell us about those, and how, what kind of collection have you got? Let me check. Ooh, it doesn't have any, uh, any radio in it. No, only those two and the Gilles Villeneuve helmet. They were heroes, were they? Yes, yes, especially Gilles Villeneuve. Uh, my, uh, my, uh, dad, my dad actually uh, called our dog Villeneuve after him. <laughs> when I was a kid, I, I knew Villeneuve as a dog, but I didn't know who he was. <laughs> Later, I found out. Fantastic story. Thank you again, Jeff, for your time and, uh, and stay safe and we'll look forward to seeing you back racing again soon. I will see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed the latest interview in our Thinking Forward series. Thanks to Jess, James and Jeff for the discussion. Tell us what you think of these shows on our various social media channels using the handle at Autosport. And if you like this series, we'd love you to share it with someone who would also enjoy it. Thanks for listening and thanks to our producer, Martin Lee, for editing this episode. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons, 
see soundcloud.com slash trilo music redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.